in a way, I was trying to explore how this ways of internet that created these opportunities for religious expression, how this was facilitated and reflected in video games. But not just in the video games, in the cyberspaces of video games. So we're, we're going much deeper. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the fifth episode of Conversations and Game Studies, a series of podcast talks with scholars who research video games in their academic work. Today, I'm joined by Tiana Rupčić here in person for a change at Central European University in Vienna, where she's pursuing her PhD degree. So Tiana, welcome and thank you very much for joining me. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we will be talking about Tiana's article titled Techno-Religion and Cyberspace Spirituality in Dystopian Video Games, which has been published this February and it's available open source. In this text, Tiana examines how themes of spirituality are being reconstructed in virtual spaces and how such motives as transhumanism and technical singularity are very central to certain games. She deals with three titles in particular, these being Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, Death Stranding, and Cyberpunk 2077. So we will get to examine these games a little bit more. But before that, a little bit about Tiana herself. Before starting her PhD, Diana has earned a master's degree in comparative history at Central European University, and she has focused on the modernization of Yugoslavia in her academic work. Diana also holds a master's degree from the Department of History in Novi Sad, Serbia, where her main focus was the Roman Empire and how it influenced the Balkans. So this is a very diverse portfolio, which leads me to my first question, Diana, which is how did you end up researching video games? Has this been something that has interested you also previously, or is it something that you discovered during your other academic pursuits? I think video games are much older than academic pursuits. I've been playing video games since I know about myself, since like a Atari. Yeah, I think Atari was my first gaming console. And from then on, I was just like playing video games all the time. Now, academically, I was being interested in video games for a couple of years now, when I realized that there is actually a quite vibrant community of scholars doing uh, the research on video games, and in particular on video games and religion, the spiritual studies, because that's also one of my interests. Well, a couple of my friends are uh, writing the articles in video gaming um, magazines, they're beta testers, uh, so I'm kind of surrounded by people who already you know, are quite involved into the video gaming industry from that side. Thank you. So jumping into the article, you explore how spirituality and religion are transferred into video games, but you claim that by being transferred, they stop being what we understand as mainstream religion and spirituality. So can you talk a little bit about how this process works and maybe about the difference between religion and spirituality in the first place? For the purposes of my article, I'm more focused on the spirituality as part of this more individual approach towards like a religiousness of any kind. So it's not supporting any like standing religion or uh, just like, you know, the set of rules that is connected to any organized religion, whether it's like a religion that exists already in the world around us or it is a imagined religion, for example, like in Elder Scrolls. The internet made um, the religious information and resources already readily available for anyone with an internet connection, so you don't have to like 
get through a trouble of finding a book or maybe finding a person who is more knowledgeable about this. So you can you can access religious texts, music or videos and connect with like-minded people uh, in these religious communities that already exist inside cyberspace. Also, what's very specific for the online religiousness and spirituality is individualism, of course. In online spaces, you have this like encouragement for the individualism and uh, some sorts of personal expressions. Of course, we should not forget about the globalization that came with the internet, and it kind of facilitated this globalization of the religious practices and beliefs, and people now easily access and participate in these religious practices from all around the world. And it also brought this democratization of the online spaces, though we can debate about that, (laughs) especially given the light and what's happening now with some of the um, apps and forums on internet. In a way, I was trying to explore that, how this ways of internet that created these opportunities for religious expression, how this was facilitated and reflected in video games. But not just in the video games, in the cyberspaces of video games. So we're, we're going much deeper. <laughs> that was like the main focus of framework when I sp- spoke of spirituality in this piece in particular. And since the spirituality in cyberspace in video games, that leads us to the genre of cyberpunk. Can you tell me what kind of elements there are in this genre that have influenced these three games so much? Uh, You mentioned in particular transhumanism and technical singularity quite a lot in your article. So firstly, I would like to say that there's like this focus on transcendence and connection in cyberpunk genre, which usually depicts these characters that using advanced technology to transcend these limitations of these physical bodies, which is connected to the to transhumanism, and also to connect with others in this like new and profound ways that are found without the limitations of the physical body. and. Like to be, not just to be focused on this, like uh, case studies that I, I mentioned, like this, these ideas could be found in uh, works such as Ghost in a Shell or A Neuromancer, which also explore this idea of collective consciousness that is formed through this like merging of human mind with the technology. Also, um, very important part of cyberpunk genre, which is reflected, of course, here in video games uh, that I'm analyzing is virtual reality, v- connected with the spirituality. This is a very specific, Uh, framework they're operating with in the cyberpunk genre uh, also explores this potential virtual reality as a space of this spiritual exploration and growth. To the listeners, it could be much more familiar with the Matrix or a snow crash, for example. This is where it's uh, uh, used to depict these characters that are using virtual reality as means of transcending this physical world around us and uh, connecting with some higher states of consciousness. And finally, I'm also trying to address ideas and concepts of fragmentation and disconnection. Despite its focus on the connection and transcendence in the beginning, uh, the cyberpunk genre also explores these dangers of technology uh, and its potential to fragment and disconnect the individuals uh, from each other. In my article, I'm focused exploring this idea. I'm focused uh, on this, like a case study of Test trending, but to listeners, this could be much more uh, familiar in works uh, such as Blade Runner or Akira, where these dystopian societies uh, are uh, depicted where technology has already created some kind of deep divisions and alienations and kind of blurred the line between what is 
a human per se. Uh, so let me jump in there and ask you straight away why you chose these three games. Because in the article you say that they treat spirituality and technology quite differently than other games, such as Metro or Horizon Zero Dawn. So where is this difference and how did you choose the three titles? Well, you mentioned uh, the Horizon Zero Dawn and the Metro series. We can even like put Fallout series there as well. They already have this, not just spirituality, the, inside of their uh, worlds and, and the narratives, they already have disorganized religions that are connected to some characters, uh, etc. I was trying to be more... Um, closer to something that is fresh, like Death Stranding and Cyberpunk are quite new. Everybody's gone to Rapture, not so much, it's from 2015. They're walking simulators, mostly, not Cyberpunk though. And they already endured some critiques from the mainstream gaming community, um, which made them kind of uh, put there in the shadows. People did not really pay attention to the message they were conveying, especially because I think personally that Death Stranding was a pioneer of this new vision of video games. That's why I endured some of the critique and people didn't pay attention to it um, in, in a way that I was, I was impressed by the game. So I guess you're referring to the fact that some people have called Death Stranding something of a FedEx or Amazon delivery simulator and they didn't necessarily appreciate the story beats or the religious undertones that much. When I was reading um, the pieces on Death Stranding and everybody's gone to the rapture, the only thing that I was missing is this part. Like nobody actually paid attention to this um, idea the game designers were trying to convey. They were, everybody was very much focused on the game mechanics, like mm -hmm. it lacks the, 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 the traditional gaming uh, features uh, that the fan base were expecting. So in a way, it kind of foreshadowed this like uh, idea of what they were trying to convey, especially in that's trending, like they, nobody mentioned like the, why there is a lack of music when, when you're exploring this world. I think that was purposely left out because you need to feel this like a loneliness and this like a vast uh, emptiness before you, uh, without the music. Music only appears in a, in, a, in a scenes where it's important for you to pay attention. Otherwise than that, you need to feel this loneliness and like uh, why it's so important to, to, to reach this settlement and connect with these NPCs even though they, they don't exist, like this gives you this like anxiety to, to find people as soon as possible, which is the most human thing to, to feel, to feel connection and like be part of some kind of a community, not to be alone for too long periods of time. I never encountered this uh, as a critique. Everybody were like, there's no fun missions to do, everything is so repetitive. And that's the point, it is repetitive. It would be like that if this was the case. And also in um, uh, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, it was like, we didn't get the answer to this, we didn't get the answer to that. That was the point, mm. not to get those answers. And could we say that Death Stranding takes place in a world that is doomed, but you are still trying to establish some sort of connections, even though humanity has to accept that it will end? Whereas everybody's gone through rapture goes one step further. There, this apocalypse has probably already happened. So could you talk a little bit about rapture and how it takes this topic of transhumanism 
even further. This is a very idealistic world. When you start playing this game, you have this beautiful music. I would definitely recommend listening to soundtrack of this uh, video game. And it's uh, like a beautiful summer day in this English countryside. Like it's like everything you would imagine. Like like, like if you watched Midsummer Murders uh, series, you have this like a. Uh, idyllic English uh, village and everybody's gone. And then you are trying to collect this information, what happened. And then you realize that everybody evaporated into the thin air, uh, becoming this like a huge light, huge ball of light. And then you realize they were basically sampled by this pattern who like, took this experiences, memories and everything and put it all together in this like a collective consciousness. And the interesting part is like, it, the, that's where the critiques came from. Like, you don't have the answer. Did this pattern wipe the entire world or just this Shropshire County? What happened to these people? Like, you are left without these answers. And I think that's the most interesting part of the game. Like, it gives you this real, not just transhuman, it's a post-human condition. That's something we don't know anything about, if it would happen. Like, it would be much unknown to us and... Uh, all these stories that are happening, they're following the same scheme, like uh, people are realizing something happening, trying to fight it, finally realizing. It's like a grief stages that you are going through, and finally you are, like, making a peace with that and, like, moving on. Uh, it could be compared to the grief stages when somebody dies and when you lose something very important to you. And I like that the um, developers left this unanswered because that's something that's not human anymore. And therefore, we cannot perceive it as human because we don't have this knowledge or experience yet. And when we do, is it human anymore? So, like, it poses these questions, like, can I exist as an individual inside this collective consciousness? and still know that I exist? Or how would I feel if I was part of this hive mind? You know, it explores these ideas in a very, very specific way through this, like, uh, spiritual moments and, like, the characters are interesting. It touches upon m many subjects, race, genders, sexualities, and uh, stuff like that. This game was very much ahead of its time, in my opinion. Like, didn't get the attention that it deserved. <laughs> And speaking of this bigger collective consciousness and whether you're still human when you're part of it, Cyberpunk seems to be the most conventional game from the three that you analyzed in the sense that it gives you a pretty clear answer that the soul doesn't exist beyond your body or that you need some sort of experience of the flesh to truly have a soul. So could we then turn to the themes of engrams and soul killer and how cyberpunk deals with the option of transcending your death with technology. The thing with the cyberpunk, again, when I was reading these like pieces by uh, game critics, people who had opinions, blogs and stuff like that, they also did not touch upon these ideas of the collective consciousness, AI, uh, and just like, you know, these transhuman uh, stages. Um, well, I mean, Cyberpunk had such a spectacular Lee Rocky that's, launch. That's, that, 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 that is true. Like, we could talk about <laughs> why Cyberpunk was done dirty in a sense, but, you know. 
even now, like when Cyberpunk got this all patches and everything is running nicely, even on PlayStation 4s, um, I don't see many people reflecting on these ideas, uh, even like game developers, when they were commenting on these religious traits and everything, they were more focused on the presence of this, like, a major religions in a, like, a, your we can be whatever religious denomination that you want. You have an option in a mission with that uh, prisoner who wants to be crucified uh, publicly. You have this option in the end when he asks you to pray with him, to pray as a Christian, uh, as a Jew, as a Muslim, or uh, as a Buddhist. I think that there's four options for these like four big main religions. So I think they're referring to that. When they're talking about this concept of souls and soul killers, I didn't find any like deep uh, analysis on this. So these opinions are my own. So like I don't know whether developers actually thinking when they were putting this in the video game or not. So what I figured from this, like they don't believe that human soul can exist without a body. So these body augmentations, they can go as uh, so far. So they are rejecting this idea. If you do have one day this ability to somehow uh, upload your memories, consciousness into web, you will cease to exist as a human, which kind of makes sense in a way. Today especially is very much popular subject when now we have uh, open AI and everything when people ask AI something that is specifically human, they don't get the answer they want. Because I, and it, it is fleshed in a cyberpunk with the character of Alt Cunningham. When she tells the, the, the main character that she is not human and she is much aware of her non-human nature, has no problem with that. So, and when she tells we that uh, if her consciousness is uploaded in engram, she will cease to have a soul. I think it's more of a, in a, in a sense that even if you upload your consciousness in a new body, it's still not your body. They blur stuff there because then they lost me because I, I thought they will convey this idea. Okay, in a, in a cyberspace, you cannot experience human touch. You cannot experience pain. You cannot experience these things that are deeply connected with your physical form. And they form some of your opinions, feelings, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So with the uploading of Johnny's consciousness into we bodies, I don't see how they, they, they wanted to express this. But again, they constantly repeated, it's not Johnny anymore because his original form is lost forever. I guess there could be a contradiction there because the game really wants you to sympathize with Johnny Silverhand in certain parts. But at the same time, it tells you that you are not human if you survive, if the main character survives the same way that he did. And actually, the worst ending of the game is when you make a deal with the Arasaka Corporation and you decide to extend or save your life with their technology. So is there a contradiction happening in Cyberpunk regarding this? It's not really contradicting. The, the, the contradictions that I mentioned is something that I found illogical when I was studying this. The endings are quite clear. Once you monetize the soul, it's not soul anymore. So soul is something untouchable, very unique, and it kind of clashes with this idea that soul is indestructible. It's immortal, so it doesn't, it, ca it cannot be quantified in this sense. So w even if you finish with Arasaka, you are going to this space station and they upload your engram in your bo body. But I think the ending where you die is like, 
your neurons died so much that you don't have this like uh, physical functions anymore because your brain is was dead for a while. So I don't think they kind of touched upon that. I mean, they're very adamant in a sense like, no, the soul is one and unique. And once you upload your consciousness, that's it. It's not going to work. You're not going to be the same person anymore. They left some of the answers uh, unanswered like if you choose to give your body to Johnny it's not really answered how Johnny feels like spiritually and does he actually feels like himself or is it a new version of Johnny because he's now in a female body and how does he perceives himself since from the beginning it's quite obvious that he's masculine to the core so how they didn't answer some of those things which was interesting how they left out that Cyberpunk is clearly the homage to the cyberpunk genre and a good one. Like it has all the classical tropes that you need. The music inside the, the game is uh, synth pop, everything what you would expect. And I think they kind of relied on this rehashing of the 80s nostalgia that is kind of very noticeable in media lately. So for them, no, I think they're rehashing lots of old ideas. For the everybody's gone to the rapture, I think it's like the old ideas inside some unusual spaces with unusual people. Like the, the, the main protagonists are people just like you and me, like with all the fears, hopes. What I liked about all three games, you don't have this like a deep division. These people are good, these people are bad. This is a villain, this is not a villain. Everybody has their own reasons to be bad or good and it really depends with whom you're speaking inside the game will have opinion about this and that only for the death stranding i would say this was an attempt on something new and i think it's deeply influenced by by kojima's own philosophy and like his ideas and maybe aspirations to movie game like experience but for uh, considering the topics, I think the Kojima went one, one step ahead, saying, as you said, like, the ending is bleak. Even if you let Emily stop the dance training and everything, it's much clear that sixth extinction is going to take place. And I think it's very... Uh, symbolic in a way he represented this that uh, uh, whenever you have these void outs or um, beach things everything is kind of blackish and kind of reminds you of oil and what would happen if we ran out of oil and what will happen because it's a, it's a finite resource and what are we doing to our environment in pursuit of more and more power and energy because our modern civilization is obviously unsustainable and that's that's the message that training is trying to convey and i think it's the biggest topic that it flashes like it's not old but it's not new as well he's very harsh when he's talking about this like we are not here to stay earth will survive without us but why don't we buy more time being in accordance with nature and I think this spiritual part of the game are, is saying if we're clashing with nature, we're killing our own spirituality. Like what happened in the world of cyberpunk, like you have this like a poison world where you don't have any animals, trees, uh, any nature. There's a, a desert around you. Uh, all your food is reproduced in these factories. And like, I think... Kojima is kind of harsher when he's conveying his message 
what would happen. I mean, not what would happen, what will happen if we're not taking the pollution of environment seriously. And considering what you said on the discussions of gameplay mechanics and bugs outweighing discussions on spirituality and other story themes, yeah. do you think that walking simulators are in a good place, that they have a bright future? Or is the game industry still too focused on gameplay mechanics and making games fun for players? Or do you think that there's a lot of space for these walking simulators in general in the future of gaming? I don't think walking simulators will ever go away. Like, I mean, the walking simulator fan base is small, but very strong. And it's like, I think it's very much like with every RPG, like fandom. They are not numerous, but they're very loyal and they're very strong in uh, waiting for such games, um, unlike the, the community that likes I don't know, Call of Duty or Medal of Honor or whatever. I mean, those communities are going to be bigger in numbers, of course, because it's a casual gaming. It gives the opportunity to somebody who has no time to engage with this. And But I don't think it, it will go away. And finally, I don't think religion is going anywhere from the world of video games. I think it's like, it's the most human thing to explore this, like, spiritual part of yourself through, through video games. Whether, as I said, like in the beginning, it is something like individualistic, put in this like a spiritual form, or you're maybe exploring some organized religions like an Assassin's Creed. I mean, it would be unimaginable to have Assassin's Creed without this critique of, of organized religion. Thank you. I think that's a good note to close on. And it's actually funny that cyberspace was once viewed as this place where spirituality and religion will die when in yeah. fact... It's so central to it. So for the end, Diana, I would like to ask you if there's any game on the horizon that you're looking forward to and you think it may push the understanding of spirituality in games somehow, if there's anything at all that you can think of. And that's a very tough question. Like, the games that will raise a bar are really, really rare to happen. Like, those are paradigms we're talking about. I think Kojima is trying something with that, but I'm not certain that he will actually be the, the, the new paradigm for the video games. I think he, he would like that, but I'm, I'm not certain. Me, personally, I'm following what they're doing with uh, for Witcher 4, like these ideas that they flashed, and there's so much to explore in the world of Witcher. And perhaps, like, if we get to see the Elder Scrolls 6 anytime soon, that would be great. Otherwise than that, no. I think those games, if they would appear, I'm hoping they're not going to have the destiny of Cyberpunk 2077 because Cyberpunk had so much potential, but they, they cracked under the pressure of toxic gaming community, and I think... I think it would be nice to see that not happening with Elder Scrolls 6 or who knows, they're bought by Microsoft now, so maybe we'll see it sooner than later. Yeah, hopefully they will get more time for polish, but their game will endure just as much as the previous ones. Yeah, let's hope that. <laughs> so thank you very much, Diana, for being here and talking about your article in detail. And I'll be very curious to read your future works in game studies, whether that's related to video game spirituality or any other topic. Best of luck in your pursuit of the PhD, and see you around. Thank you.